So a couple of things before we get into the sermon. We are putting new lights in, as you can see. They are not done yet, uh, so we do ask you to stay off the lift in the back, if you don't mind. Um, but uh, so if you think it's dark where you are, you can come stand where I am, and I assure you, you'll appreciate where you are. Uh, it is really bright on the stage today. We can't control that yet, so uh, they came Monday. We told them not to start till Monday, so they'd be done by Sunday, and those poor guys spent four hours trying to figure out how to get that thing in the building, so it was kind of funny, actually, but anyway, that's why we're here where we are. So uh, I do want to commend uh, a couple of people. First of all, I'm going to commend you for being here today uh, on the time change. Uh, I know that's a hard thing, and uh, thank you for your sacrifice, and spring break week at that for those in the Duval schools, uh, so thank you for being here today. That is very commendable. Also today, we have a very special guest, uh, and this is going to be her last Sunday with us, and uh, uh, Miss Louise is right back there. Uh, Miss Louise was there the first Sunday this church started, back in 1936. <laughs> And uh, she's going back to the Carolinas uh, this week, and this is her last time with us. But I want to say thank you to uh, all of the people and those of us in the present, we lean on those in the past. And there was a group of people in 1936 who took a chance to start a church. And, uh, and so thank you and thank to all of those people who sacrificed and took a chance and uh, and in fact, she was one of the first ones baptized, I believe, in the, in the church. So anyway, thank you, and God bless you on your, on your journey. So we've been going through the Sermon on the Mount, and we've been talking about how Jesus would live my life. And again, he's wrapping up the sermon, and he is in the process of drawing a line in the sand. Okay? Now, I'm from Texas, so I know the history of that phrase, right? Do you know the history of that phrase? It was at the Alamo. He drew a line in the sand and said, who's staying, who's going? And they crossed the line and stayed and all died. I mean, you know, at the Alamo. Uh, but Jesus is drawing a line in the sand long before Colonel Travis did. Um, and and uh, he is saying, okay, so it's time, it's time to get serious about this. I've told you who you can become. I've told you how you can be if you follow me. And he said, now it's time to choose. We talked about that on the narrow way. But now he gets a little more personal. Okay, so I, I, I kind of want to start with this. It's interesting how we all—I I'm assume all, all of us in different areas—have people who are famous that we know all about them. Okay, so like those of us who play fantasy football, this is a big week. All right, Antonio Brown just left the Pittsburgh Steelers to go to the Oakland Raiders, so we know all about that, and we know that. He is who he is, and, and we know when he's best, if he's best on turf or grass. We, we know all about Antonio Brown, but we don't know him at all. Never met him. We can talk about movie stars, people who watch movies. Man, they, they know about the actors. They know about their lives. They see one interview, and it's like they know all about that person, but the truth is they don't know him at all. We can say the same thing about musicians, uh, TV actors, the royal family. Oh, my goodness. We know all about them because they're in the news all the time. We know what uh, Harry and uh, what's her name? Megan, yeah, what, what they're up to. And I'm sorry, my bad. 
Um, so Will and Kate, we know their stories, we know their kids' names, and we're all excited about that. And, and we, we have this connection to them. But the truth is we don't know them at all. And here in this passage, this is what Jesus says. There are a lot of people who are going to know a lot about me. But a lot of them aren't going to know me at all. And I really kind of think that's the plague of the American church, is there are a lot of people that know all about Jesus and who he is. They know his story, they know what he's all about, but they really don't know him at all. And it's a shame because we have an opportunity to know him very intimately. So let's look at Matthew chapter 7. Let's see what he says about this and what he sets up for us. Matthew chapter 7, verse 21, page 972. If you're using the Pew Bible, it's page 972, Matthew 7, 21 through 23. Jesus says some really tough words, but let's go through them. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Man, those are tough words. So let's go through it a little bit and let's, let's try to make sense of this. Jesus said there are people who call me Lord, Lord. And, and the Greek there is kyrios. It means, and, and, and the word Lord is a very powerful word because the, the word Lord means is I completely surrender my life to you, right? So let's talk about the word surrender for just a second. The word surrender means I give up. So if you're fighting a battle or if you're wrestling with your big brother or whatever it is and you realize you're going to lose or die, you wave a white flag, you raise your hands and say, I am under your control now. I quit. I give in. Whatever you tell me to do, you're going to make decisions for me now. Spiritually, when it comes to our relationship with Christ, this is what surrender looks like. It is kneeling before our king, and it is saying to our king, and living out before our king, that I will be and do whatever you require of me. I will live life as you guide me, I will interact with people that you lead me to interact with. I will sacrifice whatever is required of me. And you as Lord are in control of my life. You guide me. You lead me. I center everything around you. And Jesus says there's going to be people who say, Lord, Lord, but they really never have met me. They're going to say the right stuff, but, but the truth is they were never obedient they didn't live the life. They were able to talk about it, and they were able to know about it, but they never actually did it. And somehow, we've come to this amazingly odd teaching in America about grace. And I hear it on campus all the time. I hear young Christians who, who they say, and they have this idea that, and they say it in, out loud in front of a class. I'm a Christian, so I can do whatever I want to because Jesus has to forgive me. 
Now, I, I, I listen to that and I think, well, either someone is teaching them incorrectly or they've connected the dots and they're just real lazy. I don't know which one it is, but it happens all the time. And Jesus says there are going to be people who have this incredible disconnect. They're, they're going to know all about me. They're going to know who I am. They're going to know my expectations, but they're, they're going to choose not to obey. If you were to walk into my office and look on one of the walls, you would see uh, my wall of fame, if you will. Uh, on there I have my diplomas from college and from my master's and from my doctorate, and I have two other certificates. One is, a, is when I was licensed for ministry by my home church, and the other is one that really uh, is a struggle for me to keep on the wall. And it's my certificate of ordination. Now, it's not a theological thing necessarily that makes it a struggle, but it's the names of the people who signed my ordination. You see, it happened at, at the Calvary Baptist Church in Mejia. I talked a few weeks ago about that church that didn't want to baptize the African-American girl. It's that church. Now, I keep it up because there are a couple of names on there that are very important to me. My dad signed it, my father-in-law signed it, and so uh, they're very special and important to me. But, but the other names on the list are amazingly horrible people. I don't know any way to say that. Well, they're probably all in heaven or wherever they are now. But, <laughs> but I look at the list of names, and, and, I, and I looked at it this morning. I, I went through this list of names, and I was like, holy cow. These guys were ordained deacons, and they were miserable people. They were absolutely mean. They would have business dealings with other people outside of the, the church community, and they would cheat people and be proud of getting away with it. We would have deacons meetings, and the, the one purpose of deacons meetings was to tell the pastor all the things he was doing wrong. But you know, on the Sundays when we got together, they'd be there to take up the offering. When it was time for the Lord's Supper, they'd be there to pass it out. When they were on the church campus, they smiled right, they shook their right hands, and they were as friendly as could be. But when they drove off that property, they were flat out mean. And I look back on that, and I, I look at that certificate of ordination, and I look at those names, and I think, oh my goodness. I wonder, they were playing a part. If with their words they said, Lord, Lord, but with their actions they, as Jesus said, didn't obey the Father. I, I'm not in a place to judge people and tell where they are. That's God's business. But hear me clearly, there was a real disconnect between who Jesus was and who Jesus called them to be and who they were. It was obvious. And I think Jesus is warning us. He's saying, listen, don't be a pretender. Don't, don't say you're mine and, and not really be mine. Because there's going to be a price to pay if you're really mine. But I think he's also warning us. There are going to be people out there who do all kinds of things, who say they have the name of Jesus, but they don't live for Jesus at all. Don't be fooled. There are going to be pretenders throughout your journey. Don't be fooled. Don't be led astray. And so Jesus, he, he has outlined through the Sermon on the Mount, this is who you can be, this is how you can live, this is who you can become. 
there are going to be people who wear my name, who say they have my name, and they don't even know me. That's, that's powerful stuff. And I know we always we talk about Jesus and his love, and we talk about his acceptance and, and caring for people, but, but there were times that Jesus was very straightforward, and he laid it on the line. He said, listen, don't tell people you're following me and then not do it. Don't pretend. There's a disconnect between saying, Lord, Lord, I surrender, and actually doing it. So Jesus goes on, and, and really he is, he is fast-forwarding, if you will, to the time of judgment. And, and here he says something that is just really, because in Matthew 25, we know he's going to be the judge. He says in verse 22, Many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, and in your name drive out demons? And in your name perform many miracles that I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. And Jesus said, you know, there are going to be people who on earth, they said, Lord, Lord, and they even do some good things. I mean, there's nothing wrong with prophesying in the name of, of God if you have a message from him. There's absolutely nothing about, wrong about healing someone or casting out demons. Those are good things. And Jesus gives a picture of people standing before him in judgment saying, these are all the things that I did. This is all the things that I accomplished for you. These are all the wonderful things that, that I did in your name. I, I was at church. I, I gave money. I helped feed the poor. I, I did this. I did this. I did this. I did this. I never knew you. Whew. That's hard. And you look at the passage, and it, 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 it almost contradicts itself, but it's really not. Because Jesus said there are going to be people who say, Lord, Lord, and they're going to have a list of all the things that they did, and they're, they're going to focus on what they accomplished instead of who I was in their life. They're going to focus on all the good things that they've done, and they're going to hand me this list or present this list to me, and they're going to think, well, I was so good, so Jesus is going to let me in. He says, no, I, I never knew you. I never knew you. And so Jesus makes this incredibly strong statement against hypocrisy. If you're going to say you're going to be mine, then live a life that is surrendered. Don't tell people how wonderful you are. Don't do this so that people will be impressed and amazed at your righteousness, but do this because you love me, because I'm the center of your world. I'm really Lord. You've really given your life to me. Don't fall into this hypocrisy trap saying that you're one thing but living something else. Live for me 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and realize, and as I stand before you, I know we're not perfect. That's not what Jesus is saying. Dallas Willard said it this way, grace is not opposed to effort, it's opposed to earning. And so there are people all over the world who claim the name of Christ, but live in hypocrisy. 
So we see hypocrisy all over in our world today. And uh, sorry, but back to sports. Man, we, we've, had, we've had problems with doping in sports for a long time. All right, Lance Armstrong came back from cancer. Greatest story ever. Won seven Tour de France's, if I'm saying that right. Turns out he cheated the whole time. You go back and not really a baseball guy, but I remember when Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa were chasing the, the single season home run record. It was a big deal. And man, they hit the ball a long way. It turns out they were cheating the whole time. They were doping. Have you heard about the latest sports doping scandal? It happened in Orlando at the World Bridge Championships. The card game, bridge. So the guy won. I have his picture here if you want to see it when we're done. He won, and so they took a blood sample, and it turned out he was using testosterone, and he was disqualified. (laughs) Exactly. What? I'm not real familiar with bridge, but my history tells me it's a game you sit around a table and play cards. Right? So... I began to process this, and he had to give up his awards for the previous year, and he accepted without question his punishment. He can't play again officially until November. So what I thought about was, why did they decide to check people? They're playing bridge. Somebody was sitting at the table and said, we need to do this. Betsy's 83. She has way more energy than any three-year-old should. (laughs) Let's give blood tests to see who's doping in bridge. That really has nothing to do with anything. I just wanted to tell you that story. (laughs) That is just an amazing story to me. I called my mom this week. She's been playing bridge for decades. I said, Mom, have you been doping? Is that why you play bridge? (laughs) She denied anything, but you never know. But the point is this, is that in athletics, in life, politicians, whoever it is, there, there is, there is a sickness of people presenting themselves as something they're not. That's a real problem. And for followers of Jesus, it's even a bigger problem. We don't need to go down that road. We represent the king. Jesus, he draws this line in the sand and says, listen, I would rather you not even follow me than pretend that you do and not. It's not me saying it, it's Jesus. I've laid all of this out for you. I've set the bar for you. I've told you who you can become when you follow me. But I want you to be all in. I want you to wake up in the morning. And I want you to think about how you can follow me today. I want you to go to the restaurant and the grocery store, and I want you in the back of your mind to be thinking, how is Jesus going to use this event? And Jesus says, listen, don't pretend. 
You know, it, it's interesting, in that passage, all of the things that people did, that, that Jesus with prophesying and the casting out demons and the healing, that God is able to use people even when they don't get it right. And even those that don't know him. And there's this reminder that God doesn't need us at all. He just chooses to let us be a part of what he's doing. So Jesus says, listen, don't pretend. Don't put up a front. Don't act like you're something that you're not. Don't do this so that people will be impressed. Told you for 17 years, it's an audience of one. It's the only one we live for. It's the only one that matters. But don't live in hypocrisy. Because what we want to hear when we cross the finish line from this life to the next is we want to hear Jesus say, well done, good and faithful servant. We don't want to hear Jesus say, depart from me, I never knew you. And so I, I think what happens to us is we, we get the formula all wrong. We get somehow in our heads the formula is, if I do enough good things and I impress enough people, then the result will be Grace. We convince ourselves, if I'm just good enough, then God will give me grace when this life is over and I will get to spend eternity with Him. But that's not the formula at all, but that's the one we've convinced ourselves to be true. Just do enough good stuff and, and, and convince people that I'm good, then God will have to get on board with that program when life's over. But that's not, that's not the formula. The formula is grace. Plus the Holy Spirit transforming us. And the result is good things happen. You see, good comes out of us not because we're so awesome, but because the one we serve is. And Jesus is reminding people, listen, you can do all of these things I've laid out before you. You, you can turn the other cheek. You can forgive the person that has offended you horribly. You can walk the extra mile. You, you can do all of these things, but you have to understand that I have to do it, do it through you. And it all comes back to this reality of having a relationship with Jesus that is of the utmost and highest importance in your life. Jesus says, I'm what matters. I'm what matters. There are a lot of things you can worry about, but I'm what matters. And I need, that I need you to have that relationship with me. And I would rather you not pretend. So as I processed this this week, I, I wanted to set a challenge before us. And, and I just, I, I want you to process in your own journey where are you? So let's make up a scale, one to ten. One being, I am the biggest hypocrite in the history of mankind. It's all a big lie. Ten being, I am sold out, surrendered to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Where are you? Now, if you say a ten, we need to have a talk after service is over and, and talk a little bit about humility. Because it's, it's, it's real clear in my own journey of faith that 
the closer I get to God, the more I realize how far away from God I really am. But where are you? There's two people that really know, and that's you and God. Why do you do what you do? When you call Jesus Lord, is, is he really Lord? Is he really somebody that you'll, whatever you ask, I'll go. Whatever you ask, I'll give you. Whatever you acquire, it's yours. Or is it all just words? And here's what's so difficult about this, is my goodness, we can fool people. It is so easy to fool people. It's so easy to convince people you're a great person. But you can't fool God. That's why those words, depart from me, I never knew you. So we can fool everybody in our lives but him. Where are you today? Let's pray.